Well, good morning. How are we? Good, 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 good. Hey, if we haven't met yet, my name's Hans. I'm one of the pastors here. It is great to see you all here. And uh, how about I pray as we look at... Oh, just one thing. I think there's one or two outlines. There's not a ton of them. Unfortunately, my printer ran out of, uh, of paper. And uh, I found out this morning that Woolies and Coles no longer sell printer paper. So I'm sorry about that. But I'm going to pray. Then we're going to look at God's Word. Let's pray. Uh, Father God, as we look at uh, this topic, as we start this topic uh, of our identity, Lord, I pray that you would help us not only to see who we are, but more importantly, who you are. Lord, help us over these next number of weeks to walk away with a, with a keen sense of who we are. And, and may that, that sense of our identity shape every area of our lives and out of that identity may we glorify you and i pray this in jesus name amen who are you no no really how will you answer that question who are you it's interesting that we live in a world where identity is said so much. There's identity politics and identity this and identity that. And yet, I think the majority of Australians, if we ask them, who are you, they would stumble. I, I, I think we would stumble. Because how are you meant to answer this question? Do you do, you do it based on your gender? Or, or your pronouns? Or your career? Or your family or your marital status or your race or your religion? How do you define who you are? See, there's so much confusion around about who we are and how we're meant to define ourselves that this series is actually extremely important for us. Because I think we all know that if we figure out who we are, that would lead to what we're meant to do with our lives. That would give us purpose for our lives. But the opposite is true, isn't it? If we are unsure about who we are, that leads to confusion in our lives. And so this question of identity is really important. It doesn't matter today whether you're a Christian or not. It's really important for you to figure out who you are and therefore who you're meant to be in this world. And that's why we're doing this series. This series will hopefully give you the building blocks of your identity, the biblical building blocks of your identity. So, see, this series is going to be a bit like a puzzle. I'm not sure if you're into puzzles. I'm not, but I've done some, right? You know, you get a puzzle, you get all the puzzle pieces, and slowly you put together and there's a picture emerges and it's usually a beautiful picture or something like that. And today, and over the next few weeks, we're going to get little individual puzzle pieces. And in the end, I hope the picture will emerge of who you truly are. And so, it goes without saying, don't miss a Sunday. Don't miss a Sunday. Because this is such an important question. Uh, and these are such important ideas and concepts. And so, as we're putting together the puzzle pieces of our identity over the next couple of weeks, these are Sundays you don't want to miss. If you can't make it at the 10 a.m., please come to the 5 p.m. 
and vice versa. But today we're going to look at a foundational piece. We're going to go back to the start of the Bible and we're going to look at one, one, passage, uh, one other passage and we're going to ask this question, what does the start of, this bi- of the Bible say about our identity? And we're going to see three things as we look at these two passages. One, you have been created in God's image. Two, you have been created with an identity. And three, you have been created with a purpose. You've been created in God's image, with an identity and with purpose. So with that in mind, let's, have a, let's jump into to Genesis 1. Genesis 1 is this beautiful poetic account of God creating the world. And in verse 26, God creates man and woman. Verse 26. Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. God says, let us make man in our image. Plural, did you see that? I think this is a veiled reference to the Trinity. Here God, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit is coming together in the work of creation. And they create man in our image. Now, now there's a lot of... There's a lot of scholarship on what this means in our image. I think the best way to think of it is to think of images in the ancient world. Okay, so there's, a, there's going to be a photo come up um, of uh, two, two images of ancient kings. So uh, let's go with Ramesses II. Ramesses II is, if you've watched the Disney, you know, uh, Exodus movies, He's a pharaoh, and Disney probably get, gets that right. Anyway, this is, a, this is a statue that's meters high at a place called Abu Simbel. And you can see that Ramesses is trying to project an image. He is trying to show how powerful he is by the size. He, and by the way he's seated comfortably on a throne, he's trying to say, I rule. Also, by the fact, if you, can, if you can see his face, it is very calm. That, that he's projecting that he is ruling and reigning. He's in power and he is calm. This is Ashurbanipal, an Assyrian, uh, Assyrian king from roughly the 6th century. And, and what we see here, this is uh, from his throne room in Nineveh. You can see this at the British Museum. And you can see with his left hand, he's got his left hand around the throat of a lion. In his right hand, he's thrusting a sword into the lion. This image of Ashurbanipal is, is, is communicating that he is a great warrior. He's fearsome. This is not a king you want to mess with because he slays lions. You can take this down. So when, when God says that we've been created in his image, he is trying to project a little bit of who he is through us. He is trying to say that we are a lot like him. And we're a lot like him in many different ways. But I think since we've been created in the image of God, we are designed primarily to live and love like the triune God lives and loves. We were created for self-glorification, sorry, self-giving 
and glorifying God. Not selfishness and independence. See, and if that is how you've been created, that you are meant to live in a loving way, giving of yourself to others, that is when you're going to feel most alive. See, so, so, so it's interesting that we live in a world which is all about self and mental health uh, issues are on the rise. And I think that's because we've actually forgotten what we're meant to be living for. It's not the self. It's we're meant to be giving ourselves away just like God does. We're meant to be serving others just like God does. We're meant to be loving others just like others. But, but, the, but there's another implication about being created in the image of God. And that is every single person you meet is also created in the image of God. And therefore, they are worthy of dignity, honor, and respect. So it doesn't matter if you meet a really rich person that are created in the image of God. It doesn't matter if you meet a really rich person that's a really, like a dirtbag, right? You, they're still creating the image of God. It doesn't matter if you pass someone on the street who is passed out through intoxication, they are created in the image of God and worthy of dignity, honor, and respect. And when we decide to actually demean others with our speech or with our action, we are saying we actually don't believe the Bible. If we are middle-class Aussies who look down on others for whatever reason, we are saying we actually don't believe the Bible at this point. We might have our theology in our head together, but when we think about others, our theology in our head has not gripped our hearts. Everyone has been created in the image of God. C.S. Lewis puts it provocatively like this. It may be possible for each to think too much of his own potential glory hereafter. It is hardly possible for him to think too often or too deeply about that of his neighbour. The load or weight or burden of my neighbor's glory should be laid daily on my back. A load so heavy that only humility can carry it and the backs of the proud will be broken. It is a serious thing to live in a society of possible gods and goddesses. To remember that the dullest and most uninteresting person you talk to may one day be a creature which, if you saw it now, you would be strongly tempted to worship or else a horror and a corruption such as you now meet, if at all, only in a nightmare. See, what is he saying? He is saying that everyone's created in the image of God. And if they follow Jesus, one day, if you saw them in heaven, uh, when they're in heaven, you will want to worship them, they'll be so glorified. Or if they go to hell, you would think they are so disfigured and ugly that it's almost like a horror movie. But he does say that it's our responsibility to serve them in the light of eternity, no matter who they are. I wonder if some, some of us here have got an idea of lesser people. Maybe because... They've made bad choices in life or they've, you know, they support a different political ideology or something, but there's no lesser people. Everyone is created in the image of God. And therefore, my job, because I am created in the image of God and God loves and serves, I'm meant to love and serve them. 
Well, when I was at my previous church, Resolve, uh, we had a man named Alex come to our church. And Alex, um, Alex uh, was interesting, to say the least. Alex was very close to being homeless. He lived in, uh, in, in housing that the government provided. Uh, he spent all his money on, on different medications and that kind of thing. He uh, never cut his fingernails and they were long. He never cut his hair and it was long. He carried everything around in plastic bags. He was a very smart man, but made some choices and had some very bad luck in life and he was where he was. He was very hurt. And yet, he came, he, he was walking past out where we had church one Christmas and he came in and uh, he heard the gospel and we fed him, we, we put on a Christmas uh, uh, dinner and uh, he was invited back and he came. And after church, someone shouted him a meal and so he came back and I started meeting with him to read the Bible and shout him lunch and he kept coming. And I was a bit sceptical, honestly. I, I, I said, I said, Alex, why do you keep coming to church? You've got all these doubts. You think Christianity is a bit wrong in a bunch of areas. Why do you keep coming to Resolved? And with tears in his eyes, he said, I keep coming because I'm not invisible here. I am loved. This is the only place where I'm treated as a human, that I'm not ignored. See, he, he, would say, he wouldn't say this in these words. But he kept coming back because we saw that he was created in the image of God and worthy of dignity, honour and respect and love. Do you treat all the people that you come across like that? Because, if you, are, because you are created in the image of God and because you're called to love and serve like God does, that's what you're called to do. And you can only love and serve like that when you realize that God has loved and served you first in Jesus. And therefore, that love that you receive by Jesus dying for you on the cross means that you can serve others. It overflows to others. You have been created in the image of God, but also you've been created with an identity. Have a look at verse 26 again with me. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and all, over all the creatures of the ground. It goes on. Have a look at verse 28. God blessed them and said, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and, and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over li every living creature that moves on the ground. Here God is king. Who, he's the king who creates, but he creates people in his image. And do you see what our job is? One word, rule. We are meant to rule over creation, all creation. That word for rule, if you follow it in the Hebrew, in the rest of the Bible, that word is used of kings when they rule. The writer of Genesis, which I think is Moses, he is saying very explicitly that your identity is royalty. Your identity is royalty 
See, because you've been created in the image of a king, because you are a living, breathing person that is uh, his offspring, you would be considered royalty in the ancient world. And therefore, what he is saying is, you, yes, you are royalty. So, so imagine you're going to a party. And at that party, you're meeting a bunch of different people. And... Um, you know, you're talking and you have never met these people before, so you're having this conversation where uh, people are saying, oh, so tell me about yourself. And you, you ask that a, a few people, and they say, oh, I'm this, I'm that, I'm this. And someone says to you, tell me about yourself, and you say, imagine you said, I am part of the pinnacle of God's creation. I am part of the royal family that rules the universe. Now, they would think you're probably on drugs. Like, they would think you're pretty weird at this point. But everything that you would say there is true. That you are defined by the Bible implicitly as royalty. As royalty. Or let's put it another way. I'm not just, put your hands up if you saw the coronation a couple weeks ago. A few of you guys did. I was, it, was, it was on. I was in and out of my office. I was having a look at things. I wasn't really interested, but I saw it was pretty amazing to see all the gold around, all, all everything around, right? And at one point, you know, the, the commentators were talking about how there was this sword that was brought out that was made hundreds of years ago. It was all gold, all this kind of stuff. And it was really impressive on one level. And I Googled this week that they spent on the coronation itself 100 million pounds, 186 million Australian dollars, 186 million dollars to say Charles is now the king of England. And yet, because of your status in Jesus, because of your status as someone who's been created in the image of God and you are royalty, King Charles has got nothing on you. He only rules England. Because you are part of God's royal family, you are part of the family that rules the universe. And even though it cost him or cost you know, the taxpayers or whoever paid for it $186 million to cement his status as royalty, it costs God something so much more to cement your status as royalty. It costs the death of a king. See, when Jesus died for you, he adopted, uh, God adopted you as his own son or daughter. So not, not only because of creation are you royalty, but now you're his adopted son or daughter. You are doubly royal. Uh, and so what does that mean? It, it means that our anxiety around where we fit into society should be gone. I think we have so much status anxiety. We wonder about, well, if I was seen like this by these people, would I feel more significant or better? Elaine de Botton, in his book, Status Anxiety, says this, The attentions of others matter to us because we are afflicted by a congenital uncertainty as to our own value, as a result of which affliction 
we tend to allow others' appraisers to play a determining role in how we see ourselves. Our sense of identity is held captive by the judgments of those we live among. Do you hear what he's saying? He is saying we are so concerned with what other people think of us. And, and therefore what we're trying to do is, is, is create a status in our life where people will then say, oh, aren't they amazing? So, so we, we, we really work hard at being the perfect child, even if we are adults, trying to make our, our parents proud so that, we, so that we would bring honor to our family. Or we really work hard to get to that position in our, in our firm. Or we really work hard to get notoriety in some area. Or we really work hard to look good so people would think that we're hot or something. And yet, if you are already royalty, what does it matter if what others think of you? Why go for a status that compared to royalty is nothing? You, you get to be the CFO or the CEO, or CEO of your company. There's nothing compared to being part of the royal family who rules the cosmos. Or, or, or becoming the managing partner in your firm. You're going to kill yourself and potentially your family just for that when you've got a far greater status. So, so can you see how considering yourself as royalty actually means that it puts things in, into perspective? Well, think about it like this. Maybe, maybe everyone has told you or significant people have told you in your life that you're a no-hoper, that you won't amount to much. Well, are you going to believe them or are you going to believe God who says, you're royalty? Now, here's what we shouldn't do with this. Well, we, we shouldn't go around and... and with pride and go, yeah, I'm royal, you know, I should push in front of the line or whatever. But just as Jesus used his royalty to serve, we do the same. Jesus was the king who serves and we're the royal people who love to serve each other. And so, maybe if you are feeling like you've got to have that status to be significant, realize you are already significant. If you are thinking that, that oh, well, I'm worthless or you're feeling down or hopeless, remind you of who you are and remind you yourself of the costs that Jesus paid to solidify your status as royalty. We've been created with an identity and finally, You've been created with a purpose. Flip over to Colossians 1 with me. Colossians 1, 15 and 16. Now we're just going to look at one verse there. There's so much richness in this passage. Please go away and read it for yourself. But have a look at verse 16 of Colossians 1. It says this, For in him... All things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers, all things have been created through him and for him. Notice what it's saying here. In Jesus, he's talking about Jesus here. 
all things were created through him and in him. That is, if you were to go back before the creation of the world, that, that Jesus was integral in creation. And, and did you notice how in verse 16 at the start, he says all things, but then he goes through a list. In, in case we're thinking, well, Jesus didn't create this, he's saying absolutely he did. All things in heaven and on earth, well, that's everything. Visible, invisible, that, that, that's everything again. Whether thrones or rules or authorities, everything, everything have been created through him and, and here's a significant bit, for him. For him. That everything on this earth, in our universe, including you, has been created for the glory of Jesus. That is your purpose in this life. It is to glorify Jesus. That's why you have been created. And, and, and maybe I think, well, well, Hans, what about people who don't know Jesus? That is their purpose too. Only a couple of weeks ago, uh, I received a, a text message that absolutely and utterly broke my heart. It was of a, a, a lady that was at my previous church. She was a, a leader. She, she, at that, she came into our church pretty banged up and broken. When she left, she was just on fire for Jesus. And, and through a number of things that have happened, uh, her, her marriage has fallen apart. She has walked away from Jesus. And she sent, sent me a text to say that she thinks that Christianity is evil. That, uh, you, you know, and, and how she thinks that I hurt her by being her pastor and by telling her about Jesus. So she, I've heard that she is trying to find herself in, in, in a bunch of different ways. She is running away as far as, away from Jesus as she can. And yet, there is nothing more true of her than this, that she has been created by Jesus and for Jesus. You want to know something that, that, that is absolutely true about yourself? You've been created by Jesus and for Jesus. And you know the beautiful thing about that? That is your purpose. So many people are trying to find a purpose, the reason for living. That's your reason for living. And here's the beautiful thing about that is that it can't be taken away. Well, we're trying to find our purposes in so many different areas, and we're trying to manufacture our own purposes, the reason for living. And so some people would say, well, well the reason why I am living is for my job. I'm trying to live for my job and become successful in this area because my job does great things for humanity. All we're saying, my, the reason I exist, my purpose is to actually uh, to, you know, raise a great family. It's for my kids. That's my purpose in life. Or the purpose could be, uh, I am going to use my talents, my skills, my abilities to, to shape the world to be a better place. That is my purpose. But can you see that every purpose that you manufacture can be taken away? If your purpose is your job, what happens if, if someone higher than you made a bunch of dumb decisions and you, your whole 
company that you're working for goes into receivership and you get laid off? Or what happens if you're thinking, well, well, I'm all about my family. What if they get taken away through a freak accident or something? I hope that never happens. But what if? Or, or, or you think, well, I'm going to use my gifts and abilities and talents to, to make the world a better place. What happens if you get really, really sick and you can't do that anymore and you've lost your purpose? You, you see, any man-made purpose can be taken away. But the, the purpose of glorifying Jesus, you can do it no matter whether you're old or young, whether you're well or you're sick. This is a purpose that nothing in life can take away. And so if you're a teenager here, guess what? Glorify Jesus as a teenager. If you're a young mum, that's what you're meant to be doing, glorifying Jesus as a teenager. If you're, uh, you, you know, you, your kids are teenagers, uh, do that. Glorify Jesus if you are retired. Glorify Jesus in your retirement. And it's going to look different. And it's going to look different for you at different stages in life. And part of the job that you've got is to try to figure that out. But I think a lot of the time we think, well, maybe I can't. Maybe I'm just too old, hands. Like, I come to church and I see all these people doing stuff at church and they seem to be glorifying Jesus, but I can't, I'm just too old. I remember in the last two years of, of Mary Ann's life, Mary Ann was, uh, I'm not, I'm, I've been, I was told at Bible college you shouldn't have favorite members of church, but Mary Ann I think might have been my favorite, right? And, and as I met with her, we met up maybe once a month and uh, we talked, we prayed, we read the Bible together and she said, hands, I don't know what God, God is doing. I don't know what, 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 what God's doing because all I do is I just sit, sit, sit here and I'm sleeping a lot of the time and I can't do anything at church. Someone has to come and pick me up and, uh, and drop me off. I, I just don't know, what, I don't know what, what I'm meant to do. And I said, so when you're awake, what do you do? She goes, I pray. I pray for you. I pray for the church. I pray for people. So what else do you do, Marianne? She goes, I send texts all the time. I send texts to people encouraging them. That kind of thing. I mean, a lot of us here have got those texts, haven't we? from Mary Ann, they're, they're saved in my phone. And I was able to say, hey, Mary Ann, do you realize your purpose is glorifying Jesus and that is exactly what you're doing by praying, by encouraging people. You've just found a new way to do that. Your, your purpose hasn't changed. You've just found a new way to do that. And Mary Ann, you are doing it fantastically well. And we would have that conversation every month for the last two years of her life. Or maybe you're here and you're going, hands, well... I'm suffering from severe mental illness. And I, I just can't do any of this. It, it feels like I've got no energy and it feels like when I come, come to church, all I do is I'm just in tears. What can I say as you fight your, your mental illness? As you come to church, as you sing of how great God is with tears flowing down your, down your cheeks, you are saying to us, that Jesus is great. Despite, the, despite everything that is going on, Jesus is amazing and I'm still following him through the storms of my life. And when you come and you sing through your pain, you are encouraging all of us 
You are living out your purpose. See, what we've got to realize is that not only have we been created in God's image, not only have we been created with an identity, but we've been created with a purpose, a purpose that can never go away. See, you are not, you are not some purposeless being that random evolution spat out that is heading for death. No. You are someone who's been created in the image of God with an identity, a royal identity, and a person with a purpose who's heading for glory. Are you living in response to your identity both today and for the rest of your life? Let's pray. Father God, I thank you that you have not left us in the dark as to what our identity is, as to what our purpose is, as to why we've been created. Thank you that you've been so clear on that. So Lord, we pray that in response to that, we would live out this identity. Just as you are the king and you created us in your image and adopted us to be your children and we are royal. Just as you are the king who serves, may we be the royal family that serves in humility. Just as you have created us with purpose to glorify you, may we live out that purpose to glorify you. Just as we have been created in your image and and therefore we reflect your love and your care, may we reflect your love and care and love and care those around us, no matter who they are, who have been created also in your image. Lord, piece together our identity over these next few weeks so our identity would be strong and so that we would be more glorifying to you and being more like the Lord Jesus. We pray this in his name. Amen.